Hi, and welcome to episode 204 of No Crying in Baseball, the It's Like a Buster Hug episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Anything that has to do with hugs is just going to be a happy episode. And and probably Buster. We actually do have a lot of happy today. Yeah, a little shitty, but... Mostly well, it's always a little shitty, but I think I think our ratio of happy to shitty is actually pretty good this time. That's impressive. I know. I feel good about it. We've been lagging, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You have happy things. Yeah. Let's kick it off with some happy. I want to say happy birthday. And today is Sunday, September 12th. So by the time that these people are hearing it, it will be past your birthday. But we're thinking of you both today. Dr. Cat Williams, who we spoke to I, a while ago with her wonderful book about Lefty Alvarez, and she works with the International Women's Baseball Center. It is her birthday today, so we send out a super happy birthday to Cat, who also happens to have the same birthday as my dad. So happy birthday, Dad. Hey, those are two people I respect quite a lot. So um, let's do a cheers. Happy birthday. Cheers. And cheers. Oh, we can't. Quick, we quick. have koozies, so they don't right. clink. But they kind of mush. They can mush. <laughs> cheers and mush. Okay. Pardon me while I drink the toast. Mm. It is kind of champagne tasting beer in it's a way. Great. It's it's bubbly, it's sparkly. It's, yeah. Yeah, we're drinking some cantaloupe thing and it's it's like surprisingly okay. I wanted to hate it, but I don't. I kinda like it. Crafted in Maryland, Duclaw Brewing Company. Oh, I like Duclaw. I won't see that's it. It's a local brew and all of that. There yeah, we go. Okay. Local. All right. Hey, I went to the theater this week, like the theater. Like wow. to see a play this with week. With grown-ups and everything. With, well, with my friends. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, with grown-ups. I went to see the play Tony Stone about Tony Stone, baseball player. And it was really pretty good. It, it surprised me in a lot of ways. And I'm going to encourage you and anyone who's not too far away from Nats Park to go to Nats Park to see the free simulcast on the tw- on the 26th yep. of September. You're going to show up and have a seat and, and while they're performing at Arena Stage, you can watch it on the giant video board. And um, don't bring young children. It is definitely, I think it's an R, even though they said it was a PG-13. So there's some language. um, There's some situations. So it's not just, hey, this is cool history about uh, a woman playing baseball. It's all the things that surround it. So there's some serious stuff there. So keep that in mind. Um, Don't bring the little kids. Bring the teenagers. um, And we'll see you there, I hope. Yep. Yep. On today's show, we're growing the game by focusing on kids. That's the way we're supposed to do it. We've got boyfriends who are chasing history. Our COVID report has a boyfriend kind of stirring the pot and also some cross-training with many other professional leagues. The police blotter has a lot of Ozuna and a little bit of Bauer. We've got a labor update at Oracle Park. We've got MLB's Grit Tour, Sabre announcing this year's Dorothy Award, some bonus cross-training with hockey, and donuts. Mmm, donuts. But first, I just want to say congratulations to Olympian Eddie Alvarez, who was just called up to the Marlins. And when they played the Hammers on Saturday, he hit his first major league home run approximately one month after bringing home a silver medal in baseball. So that's pretty cool. So congratulations, Eddie. Hey, he's had himself a summer. Congrats to Eddie Alvarez. Uh, So we're going to go into other cool guys right now, our baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that Patty and I have picked in the offseason very carefully. We each pick one guy per team. Because they're super cool, so maybe Eddie will be a future boyfriend. They've got to be cool beyond the field. Having field skills is definitely a bonus, seeing seeing as though we make uh, our fantasy teams out of them, and I'm currently in the gutter. She says, with me behind her, (laughs) so stop it. That's like saying, I'm so old, when you're sitting in the room with somebody older than you are. So we're (laughs) hanging out in the gutter together, in our old age. There we go. That's surprising (laughs) no one. Yes. 
So uh, one thing that I've been doing with these like baseball boyfriend segment is Patty and I pick new guys every year so that we have more to talk about in the off season. But some of the old guys I just can't let go of. And one of them is Joey Votto, who Danny Vietti on Twitter called a national treasure. And at first I, I thought, yeah, he's a national treasure. And then I thought, Wait, he's stolen treasure because he's Canadian. So whose national treasure is he? Well, really? is, is Danny Vietti Canadian? Maybe he was speaking oh, of Oh, good point. Canada. I there there you go. There's my biased view. Twitter huh. is an international place. All right, sorry Danny, I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> I will call him a continental treasure. There Maybe we go. We can share him. But uh, as well as just having like a, a breakout blockbuster that I've talked about probably even just last week. This past week, he invited Evan Roach, who is a 10-year-old fan with cancer, to Great American Ballpark and got him seats right next to the on-deck circle. And the reason why he put him there is so that he could check in with him. And the, a oh. link to the video, but it's like the during the game. thing. During the game. Oh. During the game. He literally sta- stood there, you know, right in front of the kid, talking to him through the, um, the netting, uh-huh. and said to him, you stay here and we can talk all game. And then he came back and said, and if you have any advice, I'd like it, really like it too. <laughs> so for this kid, this is just an amazing experience. And it's just that like above, above and beyond. You know, it's one thing to give somebody tickets to a game, but that personal touch and interacting with him is so cool. And then he gave him, of course, a bag of swag um, and connected with some of his teammates for some autographs and notably that Nick Castellanos t-shirt that we talked about a couple weeks ago. One that ago. his son designed? Yep. Oh, I still want that shirt. There's a picture of the kid wearing that shirt. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's super sweet. So I'm really bummed about the Reds being in a wild card race with other teams I care about, like the Padres. Yeah. I want them to be in a wild card race with teams that I don't care deeply about so that they can win it and I won't feel bad for somebody. Yeah. Because I really like a lot of those guys. Oh, the there's a lot of those guys. guys. Yeah, right. Totally. Both those teams. Um, speaking of the Padres. Oh, right. yeah, there we go. Actually, <laughs> thank you very much. That was very helpful. So one thing I did this year was I adopted all of Padres um, pitching. So for our baseball boyfriend purposes, we just take a whole flock of them. And I think we've like debated different group names for what a group of pitchers are. But in my flock of Padres pitchers, I'm going to especially point out you, Darvish, who came to the Padres were at the Atlanta um, stadium and there was a rain out. But then you was the only guy out on the field in the rain in Atlanta autographing stuff for kids. And there was this one kid there who, I mean, I'm sure for every kid it was a huge deal, you know, to, to get that kind of contact, especially after the disappointment of a rain out. So this one kid, this 10-year-old Padres friend, Landon, had come three and a half hours from Tennessee to see the Padres. And it was his big chance, and it was a birthday present from his grandparents. And his mom brought him, and she's not a big baseball person, but she messaged you on his Instagram just to say, this is, you know, how important this was to us. It was sad for my kid to miss the game, but you doing this made such a big difference. The next day, they heard back from you. And not only like that, did he contact them back like that much? I would have been like, oh, man, that is just such a sweet gesture. Not only was he out there autographing stuff, but he responded to this message. But he gifted them tickets to a game at Petco, including airfare, hotel 
and game tickets. Damn. Yeah. You know, nice you know what's a good thing to be right now? A 10-year-old mm-hmm. who cares deeply about baseball. Because they are, um, yeah, they they are like the the target for for goodness right now. Absolutely, and I'm not. And so I have one more kid. She looks about ten. I Let's just 10. call her ten. Isn't she ten? I don't know. I I kept looking at the articles to see her. I know her name is Ellie. She does look ten, and she's an O's fan. And so Yay. she was at an O's game with a fantastic big poster that said, "Hey, Melanie Newman, need help in the booth." Hashtag Girls Heart Baseball. So Melanie Newman, as we know, is the play-by-play announcer for the O's, which is fantastic. And this is exactly why women need to be uh, in positions like this, because then little girls can say, wait. If you can see it, you can be it. Yep. Luckily, thanks to the remarkable Oriole staff, somebody saw the poster and connected Melanie with Ellie. And they took a picture together, and Melanie tweeted about her that she's going to do big things. My heart could explode, and the huge thank you to the Orioles staff for making this happen. So I guess that's my little kid's corner today. Like, it's good to be a 10-year-old. It's good to be a 10-year-old, and it's good to um, know that there are players and staff in and around mm-hmm. baseball that understand that 10-year-olds are super important. Yes. And please pay attention and, but- and nurture this, because this is this is good for everybody, especially the 10-year-old. Um, I have a present for you, Potty Mouth, because oh, hey. you are a, a kind and generous person. You do so many things for so many people that you should have a present. And as it turns out, Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer created a present for you, and he doesn't even know you, but hmm. maybe he will now. Um, he did a piece for The Ringer called The Soto Shuffle, which it's very technical and it analyzes every bit of it, like the hips, the 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 whole thing, and when he uses the shuffle and why and what's the effect, like what pitches and all that. I don't care about any of that. The two things that I care about is there are two supercut videos. One is huh. an almost half hour long video of every shuffle so far in the oh 2021 season. That is a so, thing of So that's right. when you pour a whiskey and you have some time. When you just need a quick little pick, pick me up, the, the little pre-gift, tiny gift is there's a five minute supercut of all of the shuffles from the 2019 playoffs. Oh, wow. But those were some good ones. Those were like, some good ones. And now is, is issues around those. That's right. That's right. Now is, is Juan Soto your, your forever boyfriend right now? He is. So this, so we have, we're allowed to keep one boyfriend, um, carry over one boyfriend from a previous year. So Potty Mouth has kept Juan Soto. And because of that, you now have a gift that can keep on giving. Oh, that's fantastic. I have a couple of boyfriends who are currently chasing home run history. So Marcus Simeon of the the Blue Jays. Okay, so he is really, like, as far as the press goes, he is completely lost in in Vlad Jr.'s shadow. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're next to each other in the outfield, but he's having a career year, right? A career year. He's not that far behind Vladdy in home runs. And the important thing is he's got, as of currently, this recording at, you know, what, what is it, two... 230 on Sunday. He's at 39 home runs. The record, wow. the all-time record. Yeah, right? We didn't know that because Vladdy is like just over 40. And so that's all we, we care about is yeah. that. But Marcus is at 39, right? The record, the all-time record for second baseman. These are infielders who, who play second base 75% or more of the time because, you know, infielders move around and all that is 43, Davey Johnson, from the 70s. Wow. So he's at 39, and let me just say Marcus Simeon hit five home runs just this past week. So you know, a couple of things. One is that we just briefly glanced at the Toronto O's Jesus. score before recording, and I'm guessing everybody's got a home run with that. Like, there was just a 10-run inning. We didn't look into the details, but yeah. many more people could have had home runs by now, 
And I know that Lourdes Gurriel has a shit, and he's a, my former boyfriend from last year, shit ton of grand slams at this point. So I think the the overshadowing is partly because, yeah, there's so many, like, shiny players, but also the Qhar. How is Simi, like, comparatively? You've got Gurriel and, and Vlad See, see that's it. Like, so, so Simeon is, like, the guy who shows up. He's, like, the Cal Ripken. He's the guy who's showing up and doing his job. Yeah. And he's not being flashy and he's not doing whatever. He's just getting it done. And so he's kind of under – now he's going to be a free agent this year. So I think he's going to cash in. A lot, especially coming off of this kind of a year. Like he's, mm-hmm. you know, he was at Toronto for a year and they might, who knows, they might extend him, whatever, but I think he's going to make some money off of this. I'm just saying. He should get a funky hairstyle. I, yeah. you know what? I, do you want to mess with a, with a streak? Oh, that's true. <laughs> All right. You do All not right. want to mess with a At streak. some point in the offseason. So let me just tell you, when I first started typing the second one about Ryan Mountcastle, the number was different. Um, Ryan Mountcastle, as I say, Almost every week, my pick for Rookie of the Year. Um, he, when I typed this, he was behind Eddie Murray for um, home runs, you know, most by an O's rookie. Cal Ripken has the most at 28. Um, Eddie Murray had 27, and Ryan at the time had 26. And then hmm. I checked, it was like, oh, no, he's got 27. <gasps> so Ryan Mountcastle has tied Eddie Murray. He's only one behind Cal Ripken for the most home runs hit in a rookie year by an Oriole. And... It is September 12th. We've got weeks to go. So maybe he'll be on a beer can because we get the Steady Eddie beer. That's right. right? That's at, right. At O's Park. So now we're going to have to think of a catchy name for a Mount Castle beer. Oh, Mount Castle sounds like it should be a brewery. It does. <laughs> it totally wow. Does. Wow. All right. To be continued. Uh, speaking of, of hopeful boyfriends for the future, I came really, really close to picking Wander Franco as my Ray's boyfriend this year, but... I thought I had learned that, you know, often when you pick the rookie, they're not going to get so much playing time. So maybe I should wait until next year, which maybe maybe is a, a good thing. But he's actually getting quite a bit of playing time, even compared to some of the other like rookie hopefuls that I had picked. And for players 20 years old and under, he is now second for an on-base streak, which is passing Mickey Mantle, which is a name that's pretty good company. He has four games to go to catch Frank Robinson, but he is on pause right now. He was just uh, put on the IL for a hamstring string issue, but the, the streak is live. So that's hard to come back from the IL, and yeah. you get that pressure to get on base, but let's see. You can do it, Wander. Players 20 and under. Oh, oh my I know. God. The, the, we're parents to two 20-year-olds. Yeah, that's, we are. That's yeah, we are. So many shades of, oh, my God. Yes, we are. Hey, so, wow, back to San Diego. Look at us go. So my um, my Padres boyfriend, Jake Cronenworth, just broke his ring finger, got hit by a pitch um, on his ring finger. He may not go on the IL. They're going to give him a couple days off to see how it goes. I kind of figure that, it, you know. What? So here's the thing. I mean, San Diego is one of those teams that's like, clawing their way into the playoffs and if they can get Cronenworth to hit safely they're going to do it right but a broken finger here's another interesting twist as far as injuries go so Cronenworth had been playing second base they moved him to short when Tatis got moved to the outfield remember Tatis got moved to the outfield because he kept dislocating his shoulder they figured he would be safer for his health to be out there well with Jake out guess who's back at shortstop Right. So Tatis is back at shortstop, and um, so he's got to, you know, watch out for the shoulder. But 
what he said was a lot of people hadn't thought that he that Tatis Jr. had a lot less energy in the outfield. And his reply was, I'm by myself out there. There's nobody to talk to. You know, that's funny because he is so chatty. So I yes. definitely want to claim him as my former boyfriend for, for the Padres from, I think, last year. Yeah. Um, but he does seem to like to chat it up with anybody in the infield. It's, yeah. So he's a little less. So, so this will be good. He'll be happier now as long as it doesn't screw with his shoulder. Outfield is for introverts. Uh, speaking of infielders on shortstop, last week I was all, uh, I don't know, maybe not excited, but just noting that my boyfriend that I had picked for this very year, Jose Iglesias, I had picked for the Angels, had been released. So definitely as, as a boyfriend pick, I was a little concerned about him. But before, between the time when we talked about him and when this podcast dropped, he was not only picked up by the Red Sox, but played a game. So I felt, um, you know, my apologies for our immediately outdated episode last week. But the, importantly, and especially because it's his birthday, this has made my father very happy because he loves Jose Iglesias. He was last on the Red Sox from 2011 to 2013, although he was not there for the World Series of 13 because he was part of a big trade between the, with, it was a three-way trade with the Tigers and the White Sox because Jake Peavy from the White Sox ended up coming to the Red Sox. And at that point, Iglesias went to the Tigers. From there, I know he was at the O's. I'm not sure if that was direct. And then the Angels. And now back to Boston. And he's happy to be there. He's calling it home. He came in, of course, part of this, like, <laughs> to be explained very soon, what the fuck are we doing with this COVID situation? And Xander Bogarts was out. But now Xander's back. And so Jose Iglesias is a shortstop. And he's been playing short actually since I think the last time he even had an appearance at second base was when he was with the Red Sox the last time around. So he's going to have to get used to second base. His defensive uh, measurement was really very poor with the Angels, but he looked really good in the games that I saw him playing at short. He did not do as well defensively at second, so it's definitely an adjustment that needs to be made. But my dad's happy, so I'm happy. And I'm happy. It's my boyfriend. He's adorable. His, oh man, his social media, so cute. And your dad should be happy. Yeah. Happy birthday. I'm going to bridge boyfriends and COVID with a story about Hunter Renfro, who is my boyfriend on the Red Sox, who I really want to talk about because my phone lights up regularly with Hunter Renfro hit a home run. Oh, yeah. And sexy defense. Oh, my God. The, the guy can play, and I, that's what I want to talk about. Except, oh, he had a 400, batted 400 this past week. Wow. You know, I always do like the, the past seven day stats to see who's hot and 400 this past that's week. Hot. But you know why he's in the news? He's in the news yep. because he, during the course of an interview, said that the league, MLB, told the Red Sox to stop COVID testing, just treat the symptoms. Because they have this huge outbreak going on, but the Red Sox <laughs> yep. kept testing anyway to get it under control. Still not, but that's the right thing to do. So other headlines said, well, you know, MLB denies this and the Red Sox come out against it. I don't think the Red Sox actually contradicted him at all because the Red Sox statement says this, which I think is fuzzy. Right. We've been following MLB's COVID-19 protocols all season long. We've consulted closely with them on everything we've done and continue to test. And their medical staff has been very supportive. It doesn't say anything yep. about, you know, if we're following MLB, maybe, you know, I this, right? It doesn't say they told us or they didn't tell us this. Now, MLB says redundantly, 
that Hunter Renfro's remarks were completely wrong and inaccurate. Both things. <laughs> giving some emphasis. I just want to, you know, give you a little bit of props there because Mr. Potty Mouth, the lawyer, uh-huh. said exactly the same thing. He's like, look at this statement. Mm, this is carefully worded. Fooled a lot yeah. of journalists, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, well, good. Yay. Mm-hmm. That, that's very nice to hear. Um, and meanwhile, Chris Sale is now out for 10 days. So pissed. Which also makes me pissed because that makes me think he's unvaccinated because if you're 10 days right. for sure, that's an unvaccinated thing. Danny Santana, who came off the COVID list, was off for four days and went back on it. So the Red Sox are still not under control. The happy news for the rest of the league is the rest of the teams seem to be kind of stable right now. There aren't any, you know, knock on whatever you've got handy, any new breakouts. There's an occasional here or there. But um, right now, the Red Sox are the only one. And they seem to be doing pretty damn well in the face of adversity. Yeah. Well, that it, I mean, I'm I'm bullshit. I'm bullshit about the Chris Sale thing because I feel like there there had been so there were so many kids on the IL kids so many yes they are um, players on the IL but it had been going on long enough that Kike was already back yep. so Kike bless yep. his vaccinated soul and I love Kike Hernandez had been out and back people should regardless of how many stupid unvaccinated players you have. At that point, the club should have had enough protocols to to make sure that Chris Sale is not going to get sick. Like Chris Sale, above all people, and especially if he's an unvaccinated bozo, they they should have had a fucking brick wall around him. They they knew that it was out there. Well, so and I so am did he. Bullshit about and that. And so did he. Right. And I, I have some ideas for new T-shirts for him. Yeah. yeah so. Right. Right. He'll just cut them up. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, my men, he disappointed my father. My dad oh, was you don't want disappointed that. with Chris Sale. So yeah. I'm bullshit. And, and the, it does seem, though, like they are, you know, faithful with the testing because Jonathan Arauz tested negative but was still put on COVID IL for a bit just out of precaution because he yeah. had some symptoms. And then he was sent back down. And there's this whole, like, yo-yo thing going between Worcester and Boston at this point. There's got to be a, just a bus going back and forth oh my god um, or a lot of individual cars so there's right. no cross contamination <laughs> he had about some cross training um the washington post did a piece that i really appreciated which was about how um pro sports are dealing with covid and vaccinations and mandates in the context of president biden's announcement oh, on good. thursday about um businesses with more than 100 employees need to require workers to be vaccinated or f- be tested every week it turns out pretty much all of the major sports leagues in this country are at least that good or if not better. Wow. Better Which than is surprising. The government. Nice. Well, well, not the federal government. The government, I don't know what the government's doing, but better than, you know, what the government is asking yeah. of businesses to do. So, here's some numbers. Let me just uh, preface this by saying Major League Baseball does not look good. The NFL says that more than 93% of its players and 98% of their staff wow. are vaccinated and even if you're vaccinated, you're tested weekly. If you're non-vaccinated, you're tested daily. That's That's some, impressive. Right? The NBA has a mandate for staff like um, Major League Baseball does, like several teams do right now. They say that 90% of their players are vaxxed, and unvaxxed players have to do rapid tests the day uh, on game days and also on practice days, which is going to end up being several times a week. Yeah. So that's pretty good. That makes good. sense for basketball, though. That's tight. That, like, yeah. That's contact. Yep, yep. Um NHL has a mandate for the staff who have personal interactions with players. Um, Non-vaxxed players are tested daily, and they have a policy that if you're not vaccinated and you cannot participate in team activities, 
dot, 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 you can be suspended. Hmm. So there's a very real consequence for you personally um, if you endanger the team. That's pretty cool. Um, MLS, soccer players, um, um, the men are 95% vaccinated. The women are 90% vaccinated. The WNBA, 99% vaccinated. These women are leaders in so many ways. And this is one of them. The interesting thing that they did for MLB is they listed, they grouped players, coaches, and staff together to say they're (laughs) 86% vaccinated, which is way lower than anybody else. And you know. You know the players are way below that. The players are pulling that average way down. They did not break them out. Um, But they are already testing at or better than the required rates based on what what President Biden is proposing. So so sports are already there. So clearly it it can be done. Um, And there's one particular sport who could... Do a lot better. Do a lot better, but it's that's at the team level right now. That's Shit. at the team level, and you know, in all of these cases, the players do not. The most of the staff, but not the players, have mandates because the players are all unionized, and the unions yeah. are saying you don't need. You know, we don't want you to have to to compel our players to be vaccinated. And I gotta say, I'm a union girl through and through. And I feel funny about that. Yeah, no, that's that's fucked up. We're having the same issue with our teachers union now because our our county just compelled all teachers to be vaccinated, which I if I can do it, folks, MLB players can do it, you know, so all the teachers. So most of the teachers have come out and said, like, this is the right thing to do. But I'm shocked to shit when I see teachers like people you're in like rooms full of especially elementary kids who are not vaccinated who can't be vaccinated. They have no choice. And for a teacher to say, like, this is, I saw people post on Facebook that, like, this is not fair to me, to my rights. I was like, oh, my God, what rock are you under? All right. Well, so teachers, I guess, uh, <laughs> should be at least as good as baseball players is the bottom line. And and now we're going to talk about some rather disappointing uh, baseball players with our police blotter segment Kicking it off with Marcel fucking Ozuna from the Atlanta team, who we have been talking about a couple times. We talked about three months ago when he was arrested for choking his wife. And at that moment, it seemed like it was going to be like an easy case that that somebody was going to have to get blame for. Because it was said at that point that the police saw him do it. It sounded like a violent incident. There were felony charges that were pressed at the time. But then we talked in July about those felony charges being dropped while the two misdemeanor charges uh, stayed because the body cam footage theoretically didn't show the actual choking, but it showed something. I mean, there are still two misdemeanor charges. That are are assault related. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, it just seems like a really shitty reduction right there. But then, on top of it all, he had a a pre-trial arrangement. Last Thursday, there was an agreement, and it talks about it was a hearing in front of a judge to enter a pre-trial diversion program, which apparently is something set up sort of like a probation situation where you do stuff instead of going to jail. And so... The deal with this program is that his misdemeanor charges of family violence, battery, and simple assault, which I still don't get how those are misdemeanor, that they can be dropped completely if he meets certain conditions within six months. 
So he needs to be supervised. So there's going to be some parole officer or something like that involved. Mm -hmm. He needs to participate in a 24-week family violence intervention program, program, which clearly is a good thing. And that's, that's something appropriate. He has to do an anger management course and have a psychological assessment. And on top of that, 200 year, hours of community service, uh, gets drug tested, no legal drug, gr- drug use, and absolutely no contact with his wife. See, I don't think that last part is right. What I read was that, no violent contact with his wife. Really? It does not say he's got to, that he has to live separately from his wife. And anything that I saw, he, hmm. he, if, there's, if there's any violence whatsoever with his wife, okay. that's the, out. The, the article that I linked there, like I have a, mm. a thing under there, and that, that's what it said, like he couldn't contact her. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, violent contact, you shouldn't, I mean, that's illegal anyway. Like, you shouldn't have violent contact with somebody. Um, But the the kicker is, so that's a lot, and it does, you know, my positive side feels like that's what should be done with offenders. There should be a lot of education and psychological attention and things like that. But if he crams this all in, he could get this done in three months. You know, I don't get that math. I saw the exact same thing as you're saying right now, but, but it's a 24 week. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm not sure what, what that is right there. I don't know. As somebody from the school system, I've seen like classes be, semester classes be packed into less time. If yeah. Do. I don't know. Who knows? He goes back to court January 13th, but this is different than MLB, which is still thinking. Yeah, so the, the day after he accepted this pretrial diversion program, MLB put him on a seven-day administrative leave because they are investigating. And as in any of these cases that we have talked about, their MLB's investigation is separate than mm-hmm. the criminal investigation. So it doesn't matter... what. MLB has their their domestic abuse policy with consequences built into it. And if they find he is guilty of breaking any of those things in the policy, MLB can um, impose consequences like suspensions, which is the most likely thing that they do. It doesn't matter if there's criminal prosecution or not. So interestingly, also, the MLB leave, that administrative leave, is the thing that is preventing him from playing. I mean, he's been on the injured list right. since like it was like four days before this domestic abuse incident happened um, when he, uh, he broke his hand, and so they they've kind of kept him floating on this ten day yep. IL for for months. Um, again, funny math, but um, the diversion program has nothing in it about him playing or not. It doesn't restrict his baseball activities. Hmm. MLB right. can restrict his baseball activities, and that, I think, is probably why they put him on this leave right now. So they can kick that can down the road while they finish that investigation. And again, the Hammers don't have any authority to do anything while MLB is investigating. If MLB imposes consequences, the Hammers don't have to deal with it. Yeah. If MLB does not, then the Hammers can make decisions about do we – um, do we trade him or let him go and eat millions and millions of dollars? Um, or, yeah. or do we play him and face our consciences and the wrath of um, probably only a small subset of our fans? I'm sorry, I'm not slamming all Hammer fans. I'm slamming the ones who do the fucking chop, right. um, who are probably the ones say, oh, you know, he did a program. It's fine. So I am with you that I, you know, in the... I think it's good that these programs exist. Right. I want people to get help so they don't do this right. again. I do also kind of want them to rot in hell, but I, but if, right. you know, I don't want to say you can't have redemption. 
mm-hmm. you know, if if this fixes it so this doesn't ever happen again for him, then yay. Yeah, then that's, that, that's, that's working. super important. I just feel like maybe there's another place for him to be than to be sort of like a kid's idol superstar. You know, that's the whole thing that coming back on the field has that yeah. layer of like, I, how do you forgive that? I, I almost feel better about people like that going into coaching or something that's just less obvious. But, you know, look, Chapman's back out there and nobody's saying anything. And Herman and Yankees fans are cheering them on. So, yeah. Hmm. On the other hand, we're not going to ever see Trevor Bauer again on a field. I don't think his eighth and final uh, administrative leave extension happened for this season. Anyway, so this time they said, we're not going to screw around, just do it for seven days at a time. Um, We're going to say it's through the end of the season, including the postseason. Because, you know, if if it was short, he still couldn't come back in any meaningful way. Even if they wanted him to come back, so they said, screw it, you're out. Um, The... Dave Roberts has not endeared me, has not made up for anything. Um, when asked about this, uh, he said he had, quote, no idea whether the pitcher will ever again play for Los Angeles. As opposed to, say, Davey Martinez, who said, mm-hmm. no way, zero tolerance about Starlin Castro. Yep. So, um, yeah, so Dave, why, why? There's, there, you're not looking good with this. Um, and on the other note, on the DA's office, says there is still no update on pursuing criminal charges. Wow. So I think they have a lot to go through. They yeah. have a lot to... Well, through. and he's paying some lawyers some serious money, and those are the kind of lawyers that are going to really put everything on the table I think that's going to take some time I think he's getting like 40 million dollars this year oh see that's the thing too right he's getting paid through yeah administrative leave same thing with the Zuna not the same level of pay but when you're on administrative leave you are getting paid so shitty so um well you know innocent till proven guilty right I know I know and I just feel like the the Dodgers now I'm you know, they, they have Max Scherzer as this new shiny thing. And they're like, this here's like, look at our ace pitcher and who's going to be they don't in deserve the playoffs, Max. Max or Bueller. And I'm like, I, th- I now I'm really pissed at them getting Max because I feel like that let them just sort of yep. forget that they had yep. this other Cy yep. Young yep. winner. Absolutely. All right. We're going to talk about the future of baseball. Girls baseball um, grit identification tour was in Boston, my fair city. Today, and this is a joint um, action between MLB and USA Baseball, and they previously had stops in Charlotte, North Carolina on August 21st and Seattle on the 28th, and girls who are between 13, and I think that should be 20, (laughs) my notes are a little fucked up. Or 18. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yes, it should be 18. It should be girls, uh, repeat. Girls between the ages of 13 and 18 on high school teams who play on their high school teams are eligible for this. So we're already talking about a very elite class of girls, but as we've been talking about for weeks and weeks, that this keeps happening. So somebody, which is wonderful in MLB and in USA Baseball, has realized that these are exactly the kids who need special elite training. And so what this identification tour is doing is sort of like step one. So out of already this group of incredibly talented girls, they're identifying identifying future uh, development events. So girls who get picked out of this event will be able to participate in future things with you know, at VIPs who are going to be all sorts of different coaches and former players. And there's a Girls Baseball Elite Development Invitational, which is a one-week elite training and instruction. Plus, there's the Girls Baseball Breakthrough Series through MLB. So it's just picking out people with future. So who knows? Like, hopefully the sky is the limit for these young women. 
It's exciting to see. Um, and speaking of the sky being the limit, Sabre, which is the Society for American Baseball Research, they had a women in baseball conference every year, and it's not that old. I think it's been going on since like 2017, but that's also happen happening right now. So, you know, Dad's birthday is just this big weekend it's in baseball. a lot of things. Um, we actually had talked to Perry Barber a couple of years ago who had won this award, the Dorothy Seymour Mills Lifetime Achievement. Achievement Award, and they call it the Dorothy. And actually, I think we talked to Barry Barber when she was on her way to the conference a couple years ago yes. to pass it off to the yes. next person. And the thing about this award, though, which is really interesting, it's for any person with sustained involvement in women's baseball or any woman with any involvement in baseball. But it can also be posthumous. And last year, Effa Manley won the award. She was the owner of one of the teams in the Negro League, and so obviously she couldn't presented this year. So Perry Barber stepped in and presented this year's award to Claire Smith, who is a sports journalist that I want to learn more about. She was the first female MLB beat writer in the 80s with the Yankees. She was then a coordinating or editor at ESPN. And in 2017, she was the first woman to win the Baseball Writers uh, Association of America J.G. Taylor Spink Award. And it's presented at the Hall of Fame celebration, so it's a big deal. A lot of people see it. And there's a short, uh, very short biography documentary about her called A League of Her Own. So that immediately, you know, piques my interest. <laughs> I would love to see it, and it's narrated by Jackie Robinson's daughter. So uh, our friend Perry Barber was gushing about this woman on her Twitter account. So something to to look for, but good good award to keep track of every year. A lot of exciting things recognizing women and girls in baseball, and we are here for it. We are also here for the workers. Wow, we're mentioning unions yes. for the second time. Oh, right. The second time. This time it actually is a union action. Our labor update is the Oracle Park concession workers that we just talked about an episode episode or two ago. Um, these are the folks who work at the ballpark where the Giants play that voted to strike because of lack of COVID protections as well as no pay increase mm. for three years and also um, very sketchy health coverage. They got to meet with the Giants directly, finally. The Giants had been deferring to the, the food service contractor that these guys actually hmm. technically work for. They kept like just pushing it off. And finally, I think the, the strike vote got to them. And so the Giants actually met with the local to discuss the COVID protocol, which is things that the Giants can actually deal with directly. Good. And they agreed to enforce a mask mandate. They're calling no mask, no service. And this will eliminate the problem of people going unmasked to the concession stands where there are also no shields or anything else to protect the concession workers. Um, and I said they're also going to increase the signage. Um, the local also asked for... Um, vaccine requirements for fans like a lot of um you know public places are doing right now or, mm -hmm. and private businesses are doing right now show that you have had a vaccine or a recent negative test um there was no movement on that but um mm -hmm. the mask one is kind of a big deal because the concession workers said we have to enforce it ourselves and people just laugh at us yeah and we are not safe yeah, that's crazy um they did they've been negotiating with the actual contractor said there was some movement on wages but not health care i didn't actually explain the health care issue last time they lose benefits if they don't work 
10 events in a particular month. And if you have season uh. tickets for baseball, you know that there are often a month here or there where there are not 10 home games. And other events that the ballparks are being used for aren't happening as often because of COVID. So for nothing that these workers can control, they don't always have health coverage. That's crazy. So um, that hasn't been moved on yet. So they're kind of ticked about that. And so just in case, they've been signing up workers for picket duty. And um, they said they're going to see what happens on this week's homestand. Like, do will the Giants come through with the promises they made about the COVID protections? Is anything changing? And if not, they may very well be on strike. I hope they pull it off. I mean, I'd have high hopes for a San Francisco team, really. They should be doing the right thing. Yeah. Speaking of other people doing the right thing, some more cross-training. The NWHL, National Women's Hockey League, is changing their name, has changed their name, to the Premier Hockey Federation. Wait a minute. There's no gender identified in that name. Exactly. It's fascinating to see people's reactions, or it was on that first day when it came out on Twitter, because some people didn't get it at all. Mm-hmm. And there I saw, and I think these could have been cisgender male people who said, um, is it because they're not getting enough press because they have that W? So they're trying to hide it so that they'll get more media coverage. And it's like, no, dude, that's not what it's about. And actually the byline right there says no labels, no limits. And what they're doing is giving respect to differences in gender gender identity. We have non-binary athletes have been in the news a bunch through the Olympics and this past year in sort of like, where do we go, right? So this is making it more inclusive. Uh, and it's they're doing it at a great time because they had a rock out year last year despite COVID. The Isabel Cup was on network TV for the first time. Their salary doubled. What I don't understand is why they have a salary cap. Their salary cap is at $300,000. So that's still, mind you, less than a rookie MLB player. That's for sure. But for women's sports, it's an increase. Yeah, I'm hoping to see a salary floor because that's been the problem that um, the people in this league historically have had to have full-time jobs. Right. And then try to make hockey practice around that and their travel schedule around that. Yeah, and hockey is a crazy expensive sport. Sure enough. That's a lot of equipment, ice time, all that stuff. But start watching. The season begins November 6th. And then just one more quick cross-training. Right now, there is a football game going on that I don't want to watch, but that's all right. I can still (laughs) applaud Maya Chaka being the first black woman to officiate an NFL game. And once again, like I know you always say this, like we have to talk about another first and we hope for the day when we don't have to say this is the first But hopefully there will be many after her. She's officiating the Jets-Panthers game, and she's the third woman to be an officiant in the NFL. But still, like, I look back to when I was a kid, and if you had said women officiating in football, I would have gone, what? But Never would have occurred to us. Yeah. Never would have occurred to us. See it, see it, and it happens. Real quick, I want to say the CPBL is still going on, baseball in Taiwan. It's going to be going on until November 19th. So you might want to check in now, especially because my wonderful Lions, the team that I love and adore, lifelong fan, that's me. They beat the brothers today. Lifelong fan. (laughs) Since what, last year? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. And and every, all these years to in the future, I was looking like sure. future lifelong. There you go. Yeah, and I'm really hoping you know this this tends to change by the time that the the podcast drops. But when I look today, the Lions beat the Brothers. Hi, Ollie, and they're two games up on the Monkeys. 
a little bit of a yikes is that Tim Melville is out for a couple weeks because of an inflamed elbow, and I just wanted to put super good, healthy wishes out there to Tim, and I hope he is back in no time and back to his pitching form. I want to say a very important Sunday kind of word to you, and that word is donuts. Oh, wow. Donuts. Um, the, the Athletic. Um, published a very in-depth investigative report about why the Giants have had such amazing success winning day games. Their winning percentage for day games is 0. 0.712, 0. 0.712, 70% of their day games they win. And huh. you know why? Because donuts. Apparently it's because of donuts. So I'm not going to get into all the details about why the donuts are um, are so key. This I'm just going to share a couple of quotes with you about why donuts are so important. Um, Multiple pitchers for the Giants say, well, they're shaped like zeros, and zeros are good. Pitchers pitcher. like zeros. <laughs> for a pitcher. Exactly. Yeah. For a pitcher. One of them even said, got to eat a zero to put up a zero. Nice. So there's that whole thing. So Evan Longoria said, on days when we have no donuts, it's like the walking dead in here. So clearly, they need the okay. donuts for their energy. But the winner of all of this um, in a couple of ways is um, a Abe Silvestri, who is the director of team travel for the Giants, who said, we also take a lot of pride in our coffee situation. So I'd say our success is maybe 60% donuts, 30% coffee, and 10% for everything else. Hmm. And then he said his favorite is a maple bar with bacon on top. Uh. And he says, it's amazing. It's like a buster hug. <laughs> Yeah, I would take the Buster hug without the bacon myself. Oh, not me. So not is me. this you just... You need salt. You need salt. Yeah. I, I, I don't... Can, we're not going to go bacon. Temp, right? That's yeah, not bacon. Bacon, bacon. If you have to put air quotes around it, it's not it's, the thing. Or, or spell it with a K. But, <laughs> but... So are the donuts just for the players or the staff? Like, who gets They're the They're clubhouse donuts. So it's not like if you go to a day game and... San Francisco. You they may donuts. have, I don't know if, if they have like, well, you may need to talk to those possibly striking concession workers about donuts, but um, yeah, they, they do bring in. And also when they, when they're on um, away trips, they try to figure out what the best donut uh, suppliers place. are. Who, who are the, like the, the best, trendiest, most interesting, most delicious donuts at their away games. And that's who they get. Well, I'm thinking that the, the, the potential strikers need to just add another clause in there that to ensure that they get donuts as well. They should get the same donuts, the same quality donuts Damn as, yes. as staff is getting. Yes. Yeah, and maybe this would help the Red Sox. I mean, like Dunkin' Donuts is the official everything of Massachusetts. Red Sox should be getting in on this donut vibe. Yeah, but these guys, I mean, they're they're talking fancy donuts. Yeah. Fancy donuts. Yep. All right. Hey, so um, short of eating donuts, what do you got going on this week? Anything? Nothing. It's You're Yom Kippur. Hard. Yeah, I'm working, and Yom Kippur is on, on uh, Thursday, so I, I wish a very easy fast for the other people who celebrate along with me. Not celebrate. That's not the right word. Commemorate Yom Kippur. So an easy fast to you all. I'll be fasting, and then before you know it, I'll be back here at this microphone. Yeah, you sure will. Um, immediately for me, when I um, leave our very shiny professional studio and walk back to my own house, it will be to watch Max Scherzer today because he's six strikeouts away from hitting oh. the 3,000 mark. And I am exceedingly bitter that he's going to do that yes. as a Dodger. So my hope is that he gets his six strikeouts and the Dodgers lose to the Padres. But you're all going to mock me because you will know how that turned out because Scherzer has not lost a game since being traded to the Dodgers. And I love him. I wish him well. I just wish I could wish him well with other teams, especially 
then yes. But anyway, that's what I'm yeah. doing. Um, and then who knows? Who knows what the week will bring? Um, I hope you all have fun things planned for this mid-September week. And, um, and they may include checking out some back episodes of No Crying in Baseball or leaving us a rating or review. If you have friends or family who you think might like to hear us talk about baseball, please do tell them about us. And please, please follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. Until next week, um, time to sign up for your booster shots yeah. for vaccines, my friends. And uh, like the workers at Oracle Park, fight the man and say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. This is the sound of the cantaloupe beer being opened. Yeah.